Healthcare is obviously a lot more than just diagnosing an issue with a patient. That's a very important aspect. But then what do you do with that diagnosis? Normally, if it's an illness or an injury, something that needs to improve in a patient, the patient then needs to do something, either go through treatment, do exercises, take medication. Sometimes these are done with a clinician during a consultation. But a lot of the time, it's done on the patient's own watch. And often the success of treatment really depends on how well that patient adheres to the treatment plan. Enter an opportunity for technology to help out. So in this episode today, we're speaking with two startup companies in Australia who are participating in the Lumina X Accelerator program. And these two companies do quite different things. But what I like is that common thread between them, because at the heart of it, they're teaching patients or giving them the skills to have greater adherence to treatment and rehabilitation and connecting it with clinicians to enable those patients and clinicians to ensure the best level of success for these treatment plans. So we're doing a bit of a mini-series focus on the Luminar X Accelerator over the next two weeks. So you'll hear from most of the other companies that are going through that program very soon too. Special thanks to 3M Health Information Systems as well for supporting this episode and all the episodes in this mini-series focus on Luminar X. 3M are supporting the 2022 Luminar X program. So for more information about 3M, check out their listing on the Talking Health Tech website. They're a scale-up member and have a listing with news events and jobs and other podcast episodes they've participated in on this show up to now as well. But right now in this episode, you'll hear from two organizations. So there's two conversations split out over the one episode. Firstly, you'll hear from Brock Ford and Siobhan Kelleher, co-founders of Metadata who are an artificial intelligence and machine learning platform that provides personalized medication recommendations to ensure patients have the most up-to-date data-driven recommendations to reduce the frequency and severity of medication errors. So collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. Can you introduce yourselves, please, and where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name's Siobhan Kelleher. I'm based in Sydney. I have a Bachelor of Science and then completed my Master of Pharmacy. I worked in hospital pharmacy, and I've also worked across multiple different industries in medical affairs, pharmacovigilance, and regulatory affairs. Yeah, I'm Brock. So my background's more in the kind of finance and insurance space, particularly in the kind of commercial and strategic areas. In more recent times, I've taken on more of a role within the data science world, using kind of machine learning and, and AI techniques to, to drive business strategy. Cool. Good combinations of skills there. And what brings you two together? Yeah, I started <laughs> working clinically. I started to notice that there were medication errors occurring more often than I'd like to see. And I sort of started talking to Brock. I know that he has a bit of background in data science. So started conversing with him to work out, is there something that we can do with data that may be able to support decision-making and prescribing? Yeah. So when Siobhan came to me, um, her background was obviously strongly in that pharmaceutical space and hearing what she was saying about some of the things that were occurring was really kind of eye-opening to me. And, and the fact that a lot of it was still so manual was again, eye-opening and something that I thought, you know, that's. That's not the way we should be doing it in this age. So definitely there's areas for us mm. to, to consider things from a more technological standpoint. And there's definitely software that can assist in the prescribing phase of the medication environment. Yeah, I'm keen to learn about that software in a sec, but let's talk a bit more about that problem of, you know, medication errors and the manual elements. Tell me a bit more about like the breadth of this issue and, and how these issues come about. Yeah. 
So it started off with just actually seeing it and being involved in it within a hospital setting. And it, it ignited a bit of a passion for me into medication era. So I um, ended up doing a bit more research and having a look into it. And it wasn't just a small problem that was occurring. It's quite a significant problem that we, we identified. Across Australia, it is estimated that 1.4 to 1.6 hospital admissions or patients have a medication error. The cost is around 1.2 to $1.4 billion that's known for the government in terms of hospital funding as a result of medication error. And the significance is even more overwhelming in the aged care space. So having a look into their space, what we identified was that it was nearly three medication errors per patient and the frequency was 96 to 98% of all aged care residents have a medication error. Looking further, it's not just a problem in Australia, it is a global problem, and it's estimated to be around 40 to $50 billion problem in the United States as well. Yeah, so definitely the breadth is there, and that's even only what we know about. Quite often, some of these things, there's definitely a, an element of underreporting going on with this. And I guess mm. really what it comes down to is that this is impacting patient outcomes. An incorrect medication, it may not be life it could be, but at the same time, what it is doing is, you know, it's just prolonging people's admissions and stay in hospitals. It's causing readmissions. So there's definitely a, a massive negative from a patient outcome perspective, as well as the economic burden. So definitely a space that we feel can be definitely improved as a result of less manual and more automated processes. Yeah, this concept of less manual and more automation, it sounds like a good opportunity for technology to play a part here. Tell us a bit about the technology that you've worked on then. Yeah, definitely. So as Shimon came to and kept kind of talking about these issues, you know, we said there's definitely an element of need there. So is there something we can do within that? And that's when we formed Metadata. So Metadata is a company that we are looking to build software that will assist clinicians in making, you know, decision support recommendations. So what we're kind of looking to do, and we are still early on, but what we're looking to do is overlay patient information, de-identified. We don't need to know a lot of the details of the patient, just things that are relevant to their, their medications overlay relevant patient information with uh, existing clinical guidelines and protocols to come up with a clinical decision support recommendation in terms of their prescribing. As we said, it's a very complex and very broad area. So we've really concentrated on concentrated our time on finding a market that is in need, in the very short-term need, that is quick for us to be able to make some real difference within. And so in more recent times, we've said, as opposed to just kind of tackling this from the highest level and across all medication areas, where can we kind of look to really spend our time? After talking with a number of clinicians, we've found that the antiviral medication space is one that we think is definitely in need of some assistance. So we've started building out an app that will allow clinicians to more accurately provide a recommendation on the antiviral medication that should be treated to a patient, particularly around that COVID space. Mm. It's a good approach being specific in terms of the problem to be solved in one particular element that's in most need. So that seems really sensible. Thinking about then how clinicians are dealing with this at the moment, like I know there are clinical decision support tools around and no doubt lots of technology around the medication management side. What's prompted you to think, well, hey, this is something that we need to build that's different? Yeah. So I guess a big factor was absolutely there are lots of clinical decision support tools out there that are available. However, what we've found is that they are not patient-centric. So they're not very specific to the patient's pathology presentation. So that's a space that we want to play in, providing 
much more patient-centric and context-aware decision support. Having that patient centricity is really important in designing solutions. And so whereabouts are you at in this journey? You mentioned you're looking to build the solution. Talk to me about where you're at right now with the technology. Yeah, so the end game is still a long way away and there's obviously pros and cons to each of the potential early adopters that we could have gone down. Obviously, IT systems is one of the, the hardest ones for us to breach. And so we feel that actually getting implemented within a hospital setting is still a long way off. So like I said, we're really concentrating on this antiviral space. And through that, where we're looking to build out this app, we're now in the development phase of that. We are hoping to get that out in the next couple of weeks. So what that app will do is it will still require some manual input from a clinician in terms of the patient information. So it won't actually extract any of that information. Clinician will put in some of this information around the patient. It'll then say, first of all, is there a specific antiviral that's reasonable for them? And then what is the kind of dosage and length of time they should be taking that? So we're still building that up. We expect that to be out in the next couple of weeks and hopefully we can start to see some uptake on the back of that. Um, a big um, component of what we're doing as well is for validation and ensuring that the software is working appropriately prior to starting to scale up. Yeah, really important. And participating in the Lumina X program as well, how have you found that in terms of leaning into some of the resources and mentors that are made available through the program? It's been amazing and I'm not just kissing ass. It really, <laughs> it really has been. Like, I think that, like you said, they're the mentors. It's been actually quite incredible how many people we've spoken to and not just people, incredibly relevant people. And, you know, they've mm -hmm. all been willing to help, but, but really it's just been that network that we've been able to get has been incredible. So, you know, we kicked off metadata late last year, even, you know, when we started the program a couple of months ago, we still didn't really know the direction we wanted to take. And the program, the Luminex program has really allowed us to pinpoint the approach we should take to go to the market and really find who that early adopter should be. And then from that, be able to potentially scale as a result of just the breadth and, and the amount of people that we've spoken to in particular relevant areas and people that are actually really interested in the problem. So. Previously, we have had trouble kind of trying to find people that were connected with our problem, given that, you know, the health space is so, I guess, closed off, uh, a little bit niche at times. So you really need to know people to be able to get there. And so the program has been unbridled in its ability for us to meet right people and expand our network and know the direction we should be taking. Amazing. And then thinking about then the future, you've touched on some of the elements that you're working on and your focus, but... What's going to be the priorities over the next 6, 12, 24 for metadata? Yeah, good question. So I think, first of all, like we said, this app where we're concentrating on now in the enterprise space is our first, our first kind of real milestone. So we want to get that out, as I said, as soon as we kind of can to be able to gather some feedback. And so that will be our kind of goal in the next sort of six months. On the back of that, we'll start to gather some of that feedback, as Yuval said, really come through with some information that is relevant to our kind of subject area. And then we'll start to say, where else should we then expand? And on the back of that, we'll probably look at doing our next raise. So we'll do our next capital raise, bring in some additional staff, and then look to scale accordingly across multiple areas of, of healthcare. Next up in this mini-series episode showcasing Lumina X companies is an interview with Kyle Cortesi, director at Memo Memory Rehab, which is an online clinician tool for effective group-based memory rehabilitation that teaches memory strategies to improve patients' everyday functioning. Here we go.
My name is Kyle Cortezzi and my company is Memo, Memo Memory Rehabilitation. So I have a background in psychology and UX design and statistics and a little bit of teaching. So I did my undergraduate in psychology at UAW. I was very interested in doing neuropsychology. I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach. So I started looking into UX design. I went and did a master's in that. And during my time there, I actually met a neuropsychologist named Laurie. He became one of my supervisors in UX-based projects on memory interventions and just looking at how we might approach a lot of the intervention space uh, or approach the intervention space from a bit of a different viewpoint, taking a UX-style approach, more of a fast-paced, kind of innovative, responsive approach. And yeah, and then we developed a really cool program we thought would be interesting for clinicians. We showed a whole bunch of clinicians and they got super interested in what we were doing and we pursued it from there. So that's been really cool for me because all my interests have previously aligned with neuropsychology in university teaching and teaching subjects in cognition, in neuroscience and different types of brain damage and also a lot of statistics as well. So this kind of ticks all those boxes, which has been really, really cool. Nice. And so is that what brings you to the Lumina X program? Tell us a bit about, is it that app? Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot of really good feedback from the clinicians and the team that I was working with as well. So one of me and the other team members started work. His name's Preenchu and we started working with our supervisor, Laurie, and we formed a company essentially and started working on the app. So we've been in development for, I guess, the last six months now, creating a lot of content, kind of expanding on the app itself, getting investors on board, getting all the legal and financial documentation for a company, which no one tells you you have to do, but uh, here we are. And yeah, and then essentially we're looking to grow and learn how to best run the company. And here we are at Lumina and learning a lot here and uh, getting a lot of advice from mentors and experts in the field, which has been amazing. Yeah, cool. So l- tell us a bit more about this app. Is it a, an app you get on your phone? Like who's it for? The whole kind of picture. Yeah, so it's a web-based application. It's a tool for clinicians to deliver uh, memory rehabilitation. So we found out that there is a lot of barriers to people entering memory rehabilitation and a lot of things that could be done better. So we actually just wanted to bring it into the digital age, so to speak. So what we did, we designed a platform for our patients and clinicians to basically have weekly meetings, which is like their memory intervention program. Normally they would come in person and they would do like a two-hour session with the clinician and other patients that were suffering from similar issues. But with this, what they're actually doing is they can do all this online now, but we're actually providing a whole bunch of extra tools. So the way to say it very simply is imagine, you know, we've all got the uh, experience of going to a therapist or a physio or, you know, uh, a doctor and they say, here, go do all this stuff at home. We'll we'll show you some exercises or give you some mental strategies to use and we'll go home and try to apply these. And then, you know, we'll we'll talk again in two weeks and come back in two weeks. And it's like, well, did you do any of those things? (laughs) right it's a good idea though (laughs) yeah so we not only want to make the platform digital so we could actually remove any barriers of entry uh, and just make it easier for the clinicians to run Um, obviously in the digital age everything's gone online and we're all doing kind of zoom sessions since COVID and and those online conferences but we want to supply a whole bunch of extra tools as well so okay like they're learning all these strategies in the program can we actually design some exercises that would actually help people practice those strategies implementing uh, reminder and a system to actually help them develop, I guess, patterns and change their behavior rather than just, you know, saying go home and do these things and then come back. And also a whole bunch of educational content and quizzes and, and kind of like there's a whole learning structure there as well. So basically it's almost like we've built it into a course that we'd have to go away and you, know, you check out the content, you attend the sessions each week, which is almost think of like a lecture 
although it's group based and allows them to patients to share their experiences with other patients. But then they can also go home and practice all the strategies and exercises while having a reminder-based system to actually say, hey, do this, don't forget to do this, the session's on at this time, which is really great because if I hadn't mentioned already, so it is basically for patients with memory issues as well. I actually think I didn't mention that. So here we are. So. No, it's going to be my next question about the, you know, talking about memory rehab, really interesting area to kind of dive into. Who's going to benefit the most out of using something like this? So basically it's for uh, neurological patients suffering from things like TBI, stroke, MS, viral encephalitis, and things like that, brain trauma. So basically a lot of these issues cause subsequent memory loss as well. So a lot of the issues actually cause patients not to be able to restore their memory as much as other people or improve their memory as much as other people. So what we actually do is try to teach them a whole bunch of different skills they can use to substitute for memory loss. In neuropsychology, there is a lot of substitution that gets taught to people. It's like, how can you actually manage your life and retrain yourself to behave in new ways to overcome the memory loss rather than try to actually restore the function because it just might not be restorable because they might have too much brain damage in a particular area or something. Yeah, yeah. And so thinking then about this as, you know, you're building up the business and the company and everything, have you done some thinking around who the customer is, who's going to buy it and how you're going to go about scaling it out? Yep. So we're selling to clinicians at the moment. So basically our main customers, clinicians and hospitals and organizations that sort of run these programs that do rehabilitation type programs. And we have a bunch of clinicians and hospitals on board already. We're still developing the program though. So we're kind of in that phase of just finishing up our MVP and we'll be doing testing with our initial customers uh, and then expanding out from them and scaling it up. So basically it's a B2B model and then the patients will actually be charged by the clinician uh, so they'll pass the costs on as they yeah. go through the program. Thinking about then the broader kind of life cycle for some of these patients, some, depending on the types of issues they have, they might have multiple carers or they could have so multiple clinicians they're dealing with or multiple carers kind of like making sure they're utilizing some of these services. I'm expecting that you've thought about the different kind of stakeholders that might need to be involved in utilizing this technology too. Yeah, actually, it really depends on the severity of the patient. So our program is probably most suitable for low to medium severity, although we are looking at some implementation for high severity down the track as well. We're just starting those patients at the moment. Definitely for the more medium severity ones, there will need to be carers involved. So often they actually have carers with them anyway to help them through stuff. So they'll be helping them through the program, and helping on Zoom and things like that. But the program actually has been run online already over Zoom. Um, we just want to provide a whole bunch of extra tools that could go with that and a better management system. Not only that, but providing tools for clinicians and statistics to actually show them, hey, this is like what the patients are actually doing. So we know that it can be done. We know that those carers actually can get involved and actually help them like log in online and actually go through the session with the clinicians. So yeah, it would definitely be a factor. You mentioned something that I think is actually pretty important for people that are looking to build out a, a product as well. Did you mention that, you know, you've done some of these sessions as Zoom sessions before, or they're kind of like a kind of course, but then there's only so much you can do in that kind of medium. That's why then it needs to be an app and then tie it in with a different stakeholder. So you've kind of demonstrated that in the early piece and then scaling it out from there. Yeah. So it was actually a group before us. Basically our program is actually based off an already successful intervention program called Making Most of Memory. And um, that's been run successfully for the last 10 years in person as an intervention program uh, for a memory skills training program for these patients. Then with COVID, obviously, they weren't able to run the program. Mm. So they started running online via Zoom. 
Um, they did a bunch of studies and actually showed that it was quite successful and actually almost even better. It was, it was actually even better to be done online. They thought that was because of the context of people being in their home when they're actually learning these skills. So they could apply it to our environment immediately. So very ecologically valid. So we looked at that and went, well, that's really, really cool because you would think that a lot of these cohorts wouldn't actually have the ability to so easily use the technology, but it actually turns out they could and they're actually doing quite well and thriving. So we looked at that and went, well, how can we do that better? Because Zoom is, you know, for purpose A, how do we make this very specific? And that's when we started thinking, okay, we can add so much to this. We're in the digital age. We have so many tools at our disposal. And it's basically, you can build anything you can think of. So we thought, okay, like we could turn a lot of these strategies into exercises. We could set reminder-based programs because that's something they weren't getting before. Like, hey, like you've got the session at this time. Don't forget to attend this. Don't forget to practice your strategies. Don't forget to remember your memory-based goals or apply some of the strategies to the things that you're doing on a daily basis, which is really important because, you know, these are memory loss patients and so definitely the reminders are super helpful. But also the real benefit to doing something like this as well is just giving clinicians the tools that they can use to actually sort of modify these programs based on the patient's needs as well. And then what's really, really important to us is actually all the data that we're going to get. So this is something that hasn't been done before where everything's been siloed up until now. You've got all these different hospitals and universities and clinics that are actually running this program with different groups of patients, but none of them are aggregating their data to look at what strategies actually work best, what tools are best given to patients based on maybe etiologies or age groups and things like that. So this is going to give us the ability to actually start looking at this data in conjunction with working with universities and as well to kind of look at the outcome data say, okay, what strategies work best with what patients? What tools work best with what patients? Do these exercises or these educational videos, do these reminder schedules work for these sorts of patients and how can we improve this? So this is actually not just bringing memory rehabilitation or any kind of rehabilitation into the digital age, but actually having the ability to be able to look at the data and actually make data-led decisions about what we can and can't improve. So it's really exciting. No, it's exciting. It's um, very smart. I like it a lot. Hey, lastly, then what are we going to expect to see from you guys over the next 6, 12, 24? What's on the horizon? 6 to 24. So we're just about to finish our MVP. We're hoping to go into our first proper trial uh, in about two weeks from now. So we've got that set up and ready to go. That's going to be really exciting and give us a lot of feedback about you know how the system works and whether or not we should pivot in any sort of way. Following that, we actually have a PhD student whose PhD project is actually going to be comparing our program to the original version and, and seeing how it runs or comparing it to a normal online version. So we're going to do some efficacy sort of trial on that prior just to make sure that the program runs smoothly. So we'll be looking at some of our original customers and then running the program with them so we can actually assess how that's going with those different groups and different contexts again. It's so all about pivoting and then seeing, okay, is this working? Is it not? What should we pivot? What do we need to change? What should we do more of? What should we do less of? And then hopefully by the, I guess, third quarter of this year, we should have our Mark 1, uh, which we stole from Iron Man. I will say that. Uh, that's what he names his suit. So that's, uh, we decided the first version of the product's going to be called. That's apt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Our Mark 1. Yeah. And that'll be out. And then we're hoping to expand, start to, I guess, grow out of our market in Australia and into other countries like New Zealand, UK and Canada. So I hope you enjoyed this first episode of this little mini series showcase that we're doing about the Lumina X Accelerator program. These six episodes about Lumina X are supported by 3M. So thank you to them for helping us get these episodes out there. So stay tuned. In the coming episodes, you'll hear from more organizations that are participating in the Lumina X program and check out the show notes of this episode to learn more about Lumina X and their demo day, which is happening on the 11th of August up on the Gold Coast. So check it out. Speak to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.